Roseanne. Growing up in a family deeply entrenched in the grain business, today's guest recognized early on that the pivotal role that committed individuals play in a company's prosperity um, is really the key to success. From his early days as barge deckhand on the Mississippi to assuming leadership roles in the corporate sphere, his career has left him with a firm belief and a deep understanding that the right people aligned with company values are the keys to that company's uh, success. His mission with Omni Egg is a testament to the philosophy that he's uh, that he's developed. He aims to empower individuals and businesses to reach their full potential, and his unique perspective is shaped by experiences in both family and diverse industry roles. Positions him as a and, and positions him as a pragmatic mentor and advocate for excellence in agriculture. Today, we're going to discuss what young ag professionals need to know heading into the professional world, and then maybe some advice for those looking to change up their career this year. From just a half hour south of my home, from Naples, Florida, I would like to welcome Dustin Toberman. Welcome, Dustin, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me, Christy. This is a very exciting. Uh, you know, I've followed you uh, before now, obviously, and I'm, I'm I'm just grateful to be here. This is a uh, looking forward to our talk today. Yeah, me too. I've really been looking forward to this discussion, especially opening up. Uh, getting into 2024 and you know new beginnings, new starts. It's a great time to talk about careers. It is perfect timing as we end up and kind of try to put a bow on it. You know, I, I just made a post uh, on social media earlier today how, you know, this time of the year when we think that we're ending things, you know, it can really be stressful. And so a lot of people are thinking about, I think, some of the things that we're going to talk about today with what does their future hold for them? You know, they're they're doing a lot of looking back and, you know, where have I come from? Where am I going? And so I, I think this ties in nicely to the time of year. Yes, for sure. So let's start with your background. How did you get to where you are today? Well, that's a long story, uh, but I, I tell you, I, I do think it's an interesting one because when you compare it to where so many of the young ag professionals start today, it's a it's a much different beginning, um, and 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 one of the reasons is is because everything went wrong. To tell you the truth, uh, you know, when I in, in in my career, you know, I've worked so much with the young talent and, and spent so much time recruiting at the big ag schools and and helping you know push along young ag professionals' careers. You know, I think back as, as to how mine got started, and and they look nothing like, to be honest. And, and that's one of the things that I think, uh, you know, I have to offer so many candidates and, and in this profession is because, um, you can use my examples of, of, you know, how to get where you want to be and, and definitely the things that you want to avoid. And, you know, my, my start, I grew up in an ag family. My family was very active, uh, in Southern Illinois. We owned, uh, grain elevators, little country elevators, uh, back in the day, uh, Toberman grain was our family business. And it was a, a strong, business back in the day. And that's really where I got my start. We had uh, feed store at a few locations and, and smaller grain silos. And uh, when I say country elevators, what I mean by that is, is that, you know, they're typically located out in the very rural areas and uh, the, the producers would bring their grain to us and we had trucks and we would actually take it to the larger rim or the river or the rail terminals. And so I got my start working there when I was probably, I think my earliest recollection, I was probably about 10 years old. I can remember my dad taking me down there and, and for all the OSHA people, if there's any OSHA OSHA inspectors listening. This definitely wasn't wasn't a good example. But even at that age, you know, I can remember climbing up on these trucks, and I would have an old can, an old coffee can, and I had a, a hand probe. And uh, again, not something that this generation knows a lot about. But believe it or not, we didn't always have uh, you know the Pelican with the stinger that that they probe trucks that now with. Uh, you had to do it by hand, and I would climb up there and you know stick the the, the probe down in the sample and. Uh, I can attest uh, the you know all the the pain that you feel when you get your hand locked up in one of those things because I've done it a thousand times and uh, I would climb down and I would take the grain into uh, our family's uh, you know facility there and we grade it out and I'd hand tickets back and forth and so that was really my my earliest introduction so I would say that ag played a, a huge part you know in my upbringing because this was a family business so this was something that. That was always a topic of conversation around the dinner table, you know, weekends, barbecues, family events, because my whole family was pretty much involved in it. And so, you know, uh, from a very early age, I knew that this just was going to be my path. I felt that it was in my in my blood. And, uh, you know, I, I went ahead and I continued to work there through high school and, and into college when I could. And as I graduated, um, you know, I, I also worked for my family business. Um, and there came a point where I felt like that uh, I was ready to go, you know, take 
take the next step with my my father and my my uncles and cousins. And uh, much to my surprise, my dad actually told me, you know, no, I don't think it's a good idea. And I was crushed. I mean, my name was on the door. You know, how could I not be a part of the family wow. business? And one of the things he said was, look, you know, we're a small family business. And the, the, the smaller family businesses, you know, just continue to get eaten up, you know, by the big commercials out there. And that if you really want to cut your teeth in this business and, and make a life, you need to go away and you need to get away from our family business. And, uh, I was totally crushed to be honest. Uh, I just, I did, it didn't make much sense to me then, obviously looking back now, it, it all makes sense. And, and, you know, I appreciate the opportunity that he gave me. And so, uh, I went to work, uh, you know, th- th- again, this is back in the day here, I'm, I'm uh, almost 50 years old. So I, I kind of give you a frame of reference, but they didn't have the management training pro- programs like they do now, where a lot of the young professionals would start right out in the office and you're a merchandiser and you're a manager and you get a company truck. I literally was a deckhand on a barge on the Mississippi uh, down in Soge, Illinois. And uh, I worked the 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift. I wore a hard hat and a life jacket every day. And that's where I got started. And, uh, you know, it was quite a learning experience because they weren't interested in, you know, what I had to offer in terms of, you know, could I merchandise or manage? They wanted to see a work ethic. And that's what I did every day. I pushed a broom. I shoveled a boot. Pit, I, I loaded and unloaded barges and rail cars. Uh, and it was tough. And, uh, you know, I, but I refused to to leave because my father would often often tell me that look this is your your ticket to the future and someday you know based on your work ethic they're going to see something in you and they're they're going to offer you an opportunity and they did it, it took me about a year there uh, working at at that you know that level before they said listen you know you clearly you're not going to quit because we tried everything we could and uh, we're going to offer position and I was offered a merchandiser position for the first time and I had to relocate from St. Louis, um, Missouri to uh, Dubuque, Iowa. And that's really I where I, I kind of credit the start to my career and you know where where things took off and you know from then on uh, the rest is history. But but you know it's funny because as I look back um when you when you asked the question about you know talking about your career and you know how do you view things I definitely made a lot of mistakes early on and that's again one of the reasons I, I want to talk to students today and and talk to them about you know some of the pitfalls that you can get into yeah yeah that's it that's a great story and and so what what led you to you could have done anything in agriculture with that background mm. why did you focus on careers and helping uh, especially youth find their place in the world? Well, you know, really because of the way I got started. So, you know, from there, from uh, St. Louis, I went to Iowa and I became a merchandiser. And then from there, as you progress, you know, very, very uh, you know, typical of, of how the larger commercials go, uh, you become a manager and then you manage a larger position in people and bigger facilities. And I made multiple moves all over the Midwest and, you know, eventually got to where I was, you know, quite successful and, and, and climbed the ladder. But I kept thinking always back to my start and how when I got started, you know, it was not pretty. And, you know, there were times I would sit there on the barge at night and it would be cold. And I, I would be thinking about my friends that, you know, it's midnight, they're at home in bed or maybe out having a good time. And I'm sitting here on this barge, I'm soaking wet. I'm going to be here all night long. You know, it wasn't sexy. I'll say that. And I, I thought to myself, you know, how did I get here? How with a degree, how, how with all this experience that I had in the grain industry, how did I start here? And I know that there were things that I could have done early on in my career, speaking to some of the companies, I could have opened up more opportunity for myself. And so at this stage in my career, as I looked back and I thought about you know, how good ag's been to me, it hit me that I just, I wanted to give back. And I wanted to try to give back to the youth. And so my 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 goal when I started my own company was really to try to work with the young ag professionals and help them avoid a lot of the mistakes that I made. And it really, it was just about giving back. And it's funny how doing something that you're passionate about, uh, you know, works its way into a career. I mean, in the beginning, it was just about, you know, young people would come to me and I would talk to them about, look, if you've got an interview coming up, here's some of the things that you want to do. Here's some of the things you want to avoid. Here's how you want to present yourself. Here's some things to think about. It was just about helping people or, you know, because I've been in the industry for 25 years, young people would call and say, listen, I'm interested in this company. Can you help me? And because I had relationships there, it was just natural for me to call and say, listen, I know this person, you know, this is a young professional. I think you should give a shot to. And in my efforts to just help people, the idea came to me to start to actually turn this into a, into a company. And uh, two years ago, I, I, I did just that. I started Omni Ag Consulting, and, and that's what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. So how does Omni Ag work? How do you match make the company and the job seeker? 
So, you know, there's there's really three sides to what Omni does. There's there's the recruiting piece where we work both with candidates and with uh, clients and companies that are interested in in, in talent. Um, and and I'm primarily on the commercial and the operations piece. So anybody from a facility level uh, up to someone who's going to trade a position with the with the company on a desk, maybe uh, those those types of individuals. Uh, then there's the consulting piece where I work with companies and clients on their own onboarding and training and retention policies. And and really, you know, one of the things that I realized having worked for some of the larger commercials that, you know, if if you're one of the big dogs, obviously you've got an entire team to help. Uh, recruit, train, retain your people. But some of the the smaller to medium-sized companies, you know, some of the co-ops, they don't have an HR team of 30 to 40 people to work on that. So a lot of times, you know, when you when you really get to the heart of their turnover, you realize that there's things that they can do in the recruiting and the onboarding process that could help them to, to lower those numbers a little bit. And so I have a lot of clients that I, I work with just on, you know, how do we recruit? You know, why are we going after certain people? What what type of candidate is a better fit for a co-op versus a larger commercial? Things like that. So there's the consulting piece. And then there's also the speaking piece. Uh, one of the things that I've always enjoyed uh, and really got to, to do throughout my career, you know, having worked for some of the larger commercials was we had a lot of relationships with some of the big ag schools. And so I've always enjoyed speaking and presenting to young, young ag classes. And so every spring I, I make a big tour where I try to try to group as many schools and universities as I can. And I speak to ag classes. And so, you know, typically it's on, on anything that the, the professor wants me to talk about, or, or just maybe ag in general, um, you know, it, they're always coming up with, it's amazing to me, the classes that we have today versus back in the day when I was in school. I was at a, at a university in Illinois and they even have a, a class on ag etiquette where they talk about really? when you're going out and you know, you're meeting a customer for the first time for dinner, what kind of things are appropriate to do? What, what should we order? Should we have drinks? Should we not have drinks? Who decides who pays, right? And these are things I think that are so important because, you know, the 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 formula of, of being successful in ag is is not very complicated it's very black and white it's numbers if you want to trade right that's a formula we can we can learn very very quickly but what i find fascinating is that these are the little intangibles that you don't get a lot of times in class so when i hear schools offering things like this about etiquette and and how do we you know communicate better and how do we really make connections with our producers those are the things that i'm really really interested in because i think that those are the characteristics that are going to take people to the next level and really determine success or failure in their career. Yeah, those are some really great points. Let's talk about youth now. Um, Youth that are finishing up schooling, they're about to take this big leap into the real world. What are their concerns and what's your advice to them? So right now is a a group. Great time to have this discussion because you know we're 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 headed upon the end of the year, and so there's you know I kind of lump students in in one of two groups. There's the group that has already got their career going, and you know they were recruited in the fall at the career fairs, which you know in, in the ag world we typically have them in. They've already got their assignment with their company. They know where they're going to be. You know they are enjoying life right. And now, and it's really, they can sit back and kind of hit cruise control. Hopefully they finish strong. You don't want to, you know, relax too much, but things are set. Then you've got a whole nother side of the, the game that they didn't get picked in the fall. And so these are the students that reach out to me and they're in total panic mode because they graduate here in May and they don't have anything. So they have not been chosen and they don't know where they're going to get their career started. And so the first thing I would do is address them and say, listen, number one, don't panic. Because the great thing about ag right now, I've never seen it a better time than this, but everyone in the industry needs talent. And if you are talented, someone's going to find you, right? You might need a little help making the connection, but someone out there needs your services. Um, Now, I will say this, for those that haven't been selected, it might be time for you to open up a little bit more. If you had particular restrictions on a region that you didn't want to go to, maybe a company that was too big or too small, maybe as we get closer to your graduation date, it's time to open up and be a little bit more flexible. I think those are some things that we can do. But but when I think about, you know, the the ag youth game, I I think that the, the candidates that schools are sending out now are stronger than ever. It's amazing when I talk to young students, students and I compare myself when I was coming out so much more advanced. Uh, You know, just one area that I look at in particular is the internships. You know, when I went to school, I never had an internship. I would come back and I would work for my family. You know, that in itself was a great, almost an internship and some good experience. But the internship that some of these students get nowadays where they're actually getting exposed to, you know, uh, working contracts and understanding markets and, and giving out bids and going and meeting producers, 
they are far more advanced than than when I ever came out. So I think the schools are doing a great job of producing talent out there. Um, the the biggest change that I've seen over the years is that I would say the flexibility piece, their willingness to go do what a company asks. And this is something that I, I talk to almost every client that I have is that we've got to be a little bit more flexible if we want to continue to attract the top talent in agriculture. Because let's face it, the days of you taking a candidate like myself and saying, you're going to work on a barge and you're going to be there until I tell you it's time to not be there. Those days are over. No student with a degree and that has a, a plan for their future is going to work for $8 an hour. It's not going to happen. And so students today are willing to pass up on opportunities that they don't feel are the right fit. You know, I, I use this example of the time when I, when I first was relocated from St. Louis to Iowa, there was no plan B. It was, you're going to go from here to there because that's where the job is. You know, there was no discussion about, well, would you like to go somewhere else? Is that too far? How do you think about this? It was take it or leave it. And I took it, obviously. And I go back and I joke about it all the time. My wife would ask me, well, you know, do you know, did you get a raise? What are what, kind of give me the details? And I would say, I don't know the details because I didn't ask because that's not part of the discussion. It was, if you want to keep your job, this is where you're going to go. And that's such a change because nowadays it's funny, you know, in my corporate life, even a couple of years ago, I would go to a student and I would say, listen, we've got a great opportunity to move you here. And here's why I think it's a good opportunity in your career. And I would get a lot of pushback. Students would say, you know what? I don't think that's a good move for me. Or tell me more on why I should buy into this. And this is a discussion that, that companies need to get comfortable with having because the, the candidates in today's world uh, are more prepared than ever. And this is something I talk about on the recruiting piece. You know, it used to be when you were interviewing for a position, it was all about, does the company want you? What you now need to realize is, is that you're being interviewed as well. And I try to tell this to these companies all the time. Yeah. This is why it's so important to have a good interview and not just send somebody in there that happened to be free that hour. You need to send people in there that are engaging and they're a great face to your franchise because those students walk out of there. They've got 10 other companies that are begging for their services right now. And if you don't play your cards right, you're going to miss out on that tap talent. So the biggest difference between the old days and, and now is that students. Students are more prepared than ever, and they are very, very careful about the companies that they decide to align themselves with. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I really like your points there, especially uh, what really resonates with me right now. I have a senior in high school. She's ready mm -hmm. to, to graduate and trying to figure out what it is she wants to do. And, and what you said before, that these students aren't going to go out and get a laborer job no. for pennies. And I think that's a problem. Because they need to know from the bottom up. So yes. I know I'm encouraging her to go work on a farm. Go, and she wants to. The problem is you're also delaying a little bit yeah. your high-paying jobs. Yeah, so listen, what, and, and, what do you say a, about a, that? Yeah, that, that's a great point. Because while I'll say that students, you know, aren't as willing to, I think I think in a lot of times that's a mistake that they should be. Because yeah. I, I can tell you this, you know, when I get these calls from clients and say, look, we need help in this remote area. Those are the positions that you really give you the opportunity to learn. Um, yeah. I, get, I get a lot of requests, students, they say, I want to trade, right? And I, if I had a penny for every student that told me they wanted to trade, I'd, I'd have a whole lot of pennies. But they don't really understand what trading means, right? To them, they see a position on a piece of paper. And one of the things that I try to, to tell them is that, I, I, you know, as long as I've been in this game, I've worked with traders who went right to the corporate office and they traded versus those who started at a facility. They, they learned what it meant to make relationships with their producers. They learned to go buy grain by a, a handshake, looking someone in the eye, going out to their combine, taking a Coke or an iced tea and a sandwich, right? Meeting them at the local coffee shop. And to me, that's where you get the foundation. And then even though, you know, not saying you can't be a successful trader without having done that, I will tell you this, I'm very strongly opinionated about it. You will be better for having started at the lower level. I, I can tell you to this day that there were times I would be on a barge and I would be cleaning rail cars. And my gosh, some of the stuff that I had to handle through the years, I, the one that stands out of my mind, I, I had to handle handle this, we were unloading barges of fish meal. And basically what fish meal is, is after you've taken the good stuff from the fish, they dehydrate the bones and the scales and they make it into a powder and they put it into cat food and dog food. And I was unloading barges of this and I had it to put it down in rail cars. And it doesn't flow like grain does. So somebody had to be inside the rail car. And that was me. I was the low man on the totem pole. And I would have to shovel this stuff in the corners. And it's going over my head and it's getting in my mouth. And I had, I would have a rag over my face. And I, you know, I, this stuff, I, my, my whole body was covered in this. 
it's the worst smell you could ever smell in your life. And I would ask myself, I would ask God, like, what am I doing here? How, why did I end up here? I had a whole lot of those conversations and it didn't make sense at the time, but I can tell you as I progressed in my career and I looked back and then I became the manager of those facilities and I became a regional manager and a district manager. When I would go to those facilities, that gave me the perspective and the understanding to meet those employees and talk to them. And I understood when they said, look, I have a problem with this, or I need more help here or support there. It equipped me with what I needed to be a better manager. Right. And, and, and I would, that's why I would stress that, yes, you know, if you're, you've got that degree and a, and a job looks beneath you, don't just dismiss it, give it some time and actually think about what kind of doors or opportunities it could be opening up down the road. And that's something that I always try to stress on the surface. Things could look like, look, this isn't me, but I think we've got to look deeper. If you really, really care about your career and what direction you're going to go, you need to take a deeper look at these opportunities and see, wait a minute, if I was to do this, what are some of the benefits? What am I getting out of this? It's all about keeping an open mind and being flexible. No, not every opportunity is right for everyone, but I will tell you this in, in all my time working with young professionals, and I was a part of our internship and training program. So I've, I've seen hundreds come through the, the programs in my corporate life. Those students that were willing to just say yes and try it, always go further. I could tell you within the first month who's going to make it and who's not. Because when I would go to certain individuals and I would say, listen, would you be willing to try this? And the answer was always yes. Where do you need me to go? Yes. Right. Hey, I might need you to come in early tomorrow. Yes. Versus the people that said, well, I don't really think that's for me or, well, I'm not, I'm not sure that's really the direction I want to go. The people that say yes, inevitably go further. And, and I, and I like to say this, that those who say no are eventually going to get passed over by someone who said yes. Yeah. 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 Sense. I could not agree with you more. And then with 2% of the population is actually involved in farming these days, right? Mm. So it could look to our youth, like jobs in agriculture are scarce or rare, but as you and I know, careers in ag are actually so plentiful. So yes. how can somebody educate themselves about the diversity of the industry? I think that the, the key thing is the, the networking. I was just out speaking at, uh, at the AFA group um, out in, in Kansas City at their leaders conference and you know had a chance to talk to a lot of young ag professionals. And one of the things that they really push is networking and getting out because the more people you meet, the more opportunities you're going to have. I will tell you that probably 95% of the opportunities that I get from companies that I pass on to the young ag professionals come from my contacts. Sure, occasionally I will have somebody reach out, you know, because they got on my website or they saw a post I made on LinkedIn. It, it does happen. But without a doubt, overwhelmingly, the numbers say that it's people that I knew that said, listen, I know Dustin knows this and they're going to reach out to me. And the same way works for the careers. The more people you know, the more opportunities you're going to have thrown your way just because of, of a connection. Listen, oh, I met Chrissy and Chrissy has a daughter who's looking here. I happen to know someone who's looking for a young ag professional to be in this area, right? That's how it works. So for anyone that's that's out there, and I will say this too, I think that one of the things, one of the areas that we can improve on in ag, and I, I talk about this a lot with the, the professors that I meet at, at the colleges I speak at, that although I think we do a great job preparing them, I think one of the things that we could do better is educating them on just how many opportunities are out there. It's easy in ag, you know, because I talk at a lot of these colleges, they'll say, well, I want to trade or maybe I want to go into the animal sciences. And it's kind of a one track mind. What I would recommend is, is that all schools should encourage you to look beyond where you think you might be interested because so many jobs out there in ag, you didn't even know it existed. Heck, I didn't know that they existed until I became a manager higher up that we even had people that did those kind of things. And with today's technology, the ag tech world, you know, the, uh, the even on the social media, there's so many new opportunities within agriculture that really do yourself a favor and expand your network. One of the things that I recommend even to high school students, get on, get a LinkedIn page and start reaching out to people across the ag world. You would be amazed at what you could learn by just connecting with people. And it, it's something as simple as this. You know, people ask, well, what do I say? You introduce yourself and say, listen, I'm a, you know, a young ag professional looking to get into this career. Any advice for me, any companies, any particular types of careers you think I should focus on? That's a great way to get started. That's awesome advice. And I'm going to have to get my daughter to listen to this episode no matter what. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Have her call yeah. me because I, 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 would, I would love to connect with her and hear, hear what she She's looking for, because as we just said, there's so much opportunity out there. There's more than I've ever seen. You just have to know where to go. 
Yeah, for sure. So are the days of having the same career that spans decades in one place, is that over now? Do you think people are more mobile mobile now? Yeah, my 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 quick reaction to that is yes. You know, you just don't see the longevity. Now, there's a few companies that I work with that are are great companies, and you see people that have been there for 25, 30 years, 30 plus. I will say that I think the numbers show that this next generation is a little bit different. Studies show that someone who takes a job right out of, right out of school doesn't see them staying at that company beyond two years. Wow. I can tell you that in my corporate world, our turnover rate for our trainees was almost 80%. And again, these are young students who are really well compensated. You know, we had a very extensive training program where, you know, we're giving them metrics, showing them all the opportunities that, that are ahead. A couple of reasons. One, I think it's the mindset that they are willing to try lots of different things. They want this generation wants to learn as much as they can, as quickly as they can. And so a lot of times they feel like, and I think this is a leadership issue, when they feel like they're at the, you know, the end of the line, like there's nothing left for this company to offer me, then they they jump. And so I think as leaders, we have to do a better job of letting them know, hey, there's a future here. Here's what's next for you. That's something that this generation wants to hear. They don't want to hear, hey, talk to me at the end of the year and tell me where I can go next. They want to hear three months, six months, what does it look like in a year? How about three years, five years, where am I going to be? So that's one of the reasons that I think a lot of people jump. So I, I think that, yes, those days are over uh, with this generation. Um, and here's the other thing too. It's not, it's not always such a bad thing. You know, I can remember coming up where if you had, you know, more than one job over a couple of years, it was a big red flag and people would ask like, well, Dustin, what's the reason for the move here? Right. One of the things I was trying to stress is, is that I think that has probably gone by the wayside a little bit. And then if you can present that in a way that I was leaving for a better opportunity to learn, to take the next step up, to go to a new region, right, to expand my horizons a little bit, that's the key to explaining that. And I think companies don't view it as negatively as they did. Uh, but yeah, I do think it's going to be harder and harder for companies to keep and retain talent, which is one of the reasons why so many of my clients you know, bring me in and they ask me, hey, Hey, what are ways that that we can keep the our our new hires you know sticking around longer? And there, there's a lot of things we can do. And these are the conversations that I have with with clients. And so anybody listening, you know, please feel free to reach out. But I think a lot of it begins at the at the recruiting piece where you know we are showing them a path where they can climb. They need to clearly see that. And also it's about the support as a leader. Are we giving them the resources that they need to be successful and to climb? And as long as candidates feel like they've made that connection, you have a much better chance of keeping them longer. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. And then what about those who are starting this new year fresh? They're looking for change. They're looking for new opportunities. What do you tell them? Like, how do they even start looking for a new opportunity? Well, the good news is that there's a lot of it out there, like we said, right? So anyone who's looking in ag right now, there's never been a better time. Uh, you know, whether you're looking to stay within kind of the same role, but maybe look in a new company, a different region, uh, now is a great time to climb because companies value the talent. And the, the war for talent is real. It's still raging. All, you know, people ask me all the time, well, has it has it calmed down somewhat? You know, maybe. Uh, but I, as I said in the very beginning, there's always a home for talent. And if you're good at what you do, somebody out there is going to want you to come aboard. And so that, that's reassuring there. But I think in terms of, of how you even begin, I think it starts with, you know, putting yourself out there very similar to what we talked about, whether you're in high school or college, it has to do with your network. You know, yeah. are you on things like LinkedIn? You know, do you get involved on the, the social media pages, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, and you talk about all the opportunity that's out there because those are things that those are the kind of places that you're going to be able to find these opportunities. And again, it comes with the connections. The people that are connected know about the opportunities, right? You know, people reach out to me and they say, you know, Dustin, what do you have, you know, uh, maybe in this region? That's what I do for a living. I could rattle off, you know, multiple positions in an area like that. So, uh, you know, get involved with recruiters. They're typically tapped into the market. And particularly somebody that's been in the industry a long time and has a lot of experience. Those are the kind of people that you want to hit your wagon to because they're going to know about the opportunities out there. Yeah, great. And then so getting into the nuts and bolts mm -hmm. of the job search, uh, what are some things that you should not do in your job search? Well, I, I got a whole list of them, things not to do. One is never limit yourself, right? One of the things that I, I always, it makes me kind of chuckle when candidates call and they call and they give you a list of here's all the things that I don't want to do, right? And of course, there's things that we all don't want to do, but I would suggest that we start with, we open things up. What are the things that I'm looking for? I would, I would suggest 
that we find reasons to do business with someone or, or, or align with people as opposed to looking for reasons not to, right? Let's let's find common ground. So I, one of the things I say is be open-minded about the, the region, you know, right now, uh, just in this, this day and age, this mindset, this whole relocation piece is a big factor, whether they're younger, you know, ag professionals just coming out of school or even the more advanced, you see people really hesitant to relocate to a new area. And sometimes, you know, in, in the right position, it's not in your backyard. It's, it's, it's maybe a couple states away, not an hour away, but maybe at a full day's drive away. So I think one, you know, keep an open mind. Let's not limit ourselves, listen to opportunities uh, and all get all the details before saying no, like this is a common one. You know, a lot of people pass up because again, there's a relocation involved. Uh, but one of the mistakes they make is not asking, okay, well, if I was to do this, how long? Because sometimes these assignments might be a year. You know, I typically was looking at all the locations that I was at. You're, I was looking at two years tops. It's amazing how fast two years are climbing. So the question I always ask them is, okay, you say you don't want to relocate. What if you gave it one year and in one year you could pick wherever you wanted to be with this company? Because some companies are doing that now. They're willing to say, okay, if you give us some time, I will then come back in a year or two years now and I'll let you pick the location you want to be. So you have the potential to pick your location, which is a huge, right? And climb at the same time. So I think keep an open mind, um, you know, when you're looking at these types of positions, don't limit yourself. The other thing is, uh, one of the things that I, I try to stress is, is don't be afraid to throw yourself out there. I see so many people held back by their own internal mental limitations, right? Yeah, they look huge. at a job description and I'll be the first one to say, look, most job descriptions are written by HR and lawyers. I can tell you that in my my career, in my corporate world, I would get some back sometimes the job descriptions and I would look at it even as high as I was. And I would say, I don't think I'm qualified for the most basic position here because it looks so complicated. So it's easy to get intimidated by that. So one of the things that I try to encourage people to do is, is that when they're looking at positions and you see something that you're interested in, don't just automatically disqualify yourself. Let's take a look at it. Try to find the areas in there that, okay, look, I might not have this entire list of all these 10 items, but what if I've got five of them? What if I've got six of them? Is that enough to get the conversation started? And because here's why. Sometimes you might not be qualified or are qualified yet for that position, but if you can get an interview and get in front of the team and they see enough in you that they they like and they connect with, that might open an opportunity somewhere else within the organization, something that you hadn't even thought about or a lot of times not even realize that that position was open because you'd be amazed at the amount of positions that aren't even posted where people will call me and say, listen, we haven't even put this out there. We want to keep this you know, kind of quiet. If you come across anyone in this field, let us know. And so you're not even aware of the opportunities. And if you don't take the opportunity to tell your story and show your skills and put the spotlight on you, you're never going to know what's out there. So I think, you know, again, when I look at some of the biggest mistakes people make in their search, it's their own limitations, whether it's on the region, you know, location, uh, but also, you know, they, they start to do the imposter syndrome where they think, well, I'm just not qualified for this. And again, a lot of times those are, that's just a job description. You know, we don't, we don't follow it to a T. If you can, you know, prove that you possess a lot of the skills and characteristics, sometimes that's good enough, but you don't know unless you try. That's right. Yeah. And then what about during an interview? That's a high stress mm, time in your life. Sure. What are some things that you should not ever say in an in interview? Well, there, there's nothing worse than a bad interview. And, and I've been on both sides of the table, right? Where I'm interviewing and I walked out to the parking lot. I sat in the car. I thought that was embarrassing, <laughs> right? Like I, I answered this question wrong or I stuttered or I totally you know froze in, in my moment. Those things happen. But I tell you, it happens on the other side as well. And this is a, a big beef that I have. And one of the things that I work with a lot of clients on, how we interview people matters. And we talked earlier about how you know we're being interviewed by our candidates. Poor interviewers, and and this is very common. You know, when I think of my own career, I, I nobody ever taught me how to interview. I just did it a whole lot. But I realized I was good at it because I enjoyed engaging with people. So one of the things that I stressed, I don't care whatever level you're at, you know, somebody who's just graduating or you've been in the industry for 20 years, the key thing to me is knowing your story, knowing who you are and what you're all about. And this goes beyond the resume, but I would encourage everyone to stop before they go. And if you're going to do any interview prep, Stop and think about, okay, what is it that I'm after and who am I? And really dig deep in yourself internally and ask yourself, okay, when I look back at my experience, what have I learned, right? Ultimately, we're trying to make a connection. If you've got an interview, chances are the team already feels like you've got somewhat, you're capable of handling, you know, the, the duties, they're looking for a connection. They're asking themselves, not, not just about, can they do the job, but they're asking themselves, is this person? 
person going to connect? Are they going to communicate with my team? Are they going to add to our culture? Or are they going to take it away? So it goes beyond just the job duties. So it's important to know that story and know who you are, because if you're not, it's easy to be led astray and to be dictated by their questions. And sometimes, you know, interviewers are really bad and they just focus on the resume. And that doesn't give you the opportunity to really shine the spotlight on yourself. So it's important that you're your own advocate in these interviews and you know who you are and what you're all about. And you can always bring it back to that message that, look, I'm passionate about this and this is what I want to achieve in my life. And this is, these are my goals and I want to help people along. And when you say things like that, there, there's that connection. So the biggest mistake I would say the do's and the don'ts are don't just walk in and, you know, uh, be the, 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 I'm sorry, be the, uh, the resume person where everything you're going to discuss happens to be on the resume. You've got to go deeper. Every person that comes in there, you know, can talk about what's on the resume. They've seen it. They know all that. Now's the time you've got the interview. The resume gets you in the door, but I always say your story is what's going to get you the job. Yeah. Wow. That's, I love that. Great advice. So we live in a different world than when I was a kid, when you were a kid, there's a lot of touchy feely. There's a lot of emotion in the upcoming generation. So how important, what's the truth of how important is self-fulfillment in a career? Do you think it's gone too far these days with everybody searching for their own happiness, relying on their feelings? Do you think we're going to swing back or do you think we're going to embrace this? There's a lot of discussion on this. And and I hear people say, you know, uh, companies hoping that it goes away. I don't, I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing, right? You can always go too far, right? I, I have, I can give you horror stories of young candidates that I've placed with, with great companies and great people that have called me back and said, listen, this just isn't going to work out. And I, and I look at them on paper and I say, but you know, I have interviewed this person. I know what they're all about. You know, they should be a great employee. And they said, that's the problem. It's all about them all the time. Right. And, and they don't, they don't see themselves in the team and it's, it's just about themselves, you know? So I have horror stories like that. I also think that people who are in tuned with what they're all about and their own happiness have the potential to be better, happier employees because, it, you know, they know what they want. I think that it's really the responsibility of leadership and management to foster that and take that individual and to help guide them on their way. I, one of the things that I always looked at myself at as a leader, that it wasn't about me, it's about my team. And I'm really just a tool or a resource to help them get to where they want to be. And I found that that gave me my greatest just enjoyment, but also success because when you have happy, fulfilled people working for you, they're better performers. And so I think, again, it goes back on leadership to find out what is it that makes these people tick? Are you looking to climb? And that's the thing. Nowadays, before we were all motivated by a paycheck, if you would have told me that I would have had to do the worst job in the world, but I made a great living out of it, I would have said, yes, this generation is different. You're Right. You're exactly right. They love to ask questions about, well, does this company get involved in the community? Do they have the opportunity to serve? I need to feel engagement. I need to feel like I've got a higher purpose than just my day to day. And so I think companies, uh, leaders that offer those kind of opportunities are going to succeed in the future with this younger generation of talent. I don't think that it's going to go away. I think because it's definitely a common theme and the young candidates that I deal with, they're far more in touch with themselves, you know, personally, internally, uh, with what they want than I ever was. Again, for me, it was about a paycheck, right? It was about, well, if I make X amount of money, I will do anything. And one of the questions I asked when I was in Kansas city with a lot of the AFA group was I said, you know, you've got a scale and the one side is a big paycheck, but the other side is, you know, lack of autonomy and, you know, you don't get to pick your day and you're, you're, you know, you're basically told what to do and where to be and when to be there. And almost to a person, they would say, no, I would rather have an opportunity to be in control of my life and pick and choose when and where than money. There's no amount of money that could make me overlook that. And so I think that's something that companies need to hear because I, it's easy to dismiss and say, well, I, you know, this is a fad. I, I, don't, I don't see it that way. I think the companies that are going to be the most successful going forward are companies that can figure out with this next generation how to truly connect with them offer them the opportunities that they're looking for and while still getting the best out of them. So it's about motivating, making them feel comfortable, you know, and again, it's all about the bottom line, but I think how we get there is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And and that brings me to the next topic that I want to talk about and that's values mm. today. The, the world is so divided. It seems like it's becoming increasingly difficult for people just to get along day to day even So I don't think in the past that I ever really thought about the values of a company when I was looking for a job. I was just looking for a job. 
yeah. or the values of an employee when I was hiring. Um, I I just looked at qualifications yeah, and sure. more quantifiable things. But for a smoother union between employer and employee, do you think that both both the the employer and the employee should be looking at values? And then if so, how do you suggest going about that with all of the rules, right? You can't just go right. and ask people their value, their values. Yeah. Really, right? So, you know, the, that that's a great point. And yeah, look, like I said a second ago, those things matter, right? Companies are paying yeah. attention. Uh, you know, we talk, I've, I talked about this with a lot of companies with their social media, the things you're posting matter. People listen, right? People are taking their cues from the kind of things that you're posting and they're, they're, they're making a determination on whether or not you're the kind of company that they want to align themselves with. And again, to previous generations, it probably wouldn't have bothered me. I could see you post on whether it's, you know, political or personal issues. And I, I probably wouldn't care because if my paycheck was enough, that was okay for me. I can tell that this generation is not that way, that those things matter. And so again, it's about the community engagement. You really got to be careful about, you know, what side of the fence that you're on, because when you put those things out there, you know, sure. While some people might agree, other people might disagree. So the values are, are very important. That's a, that's a question that I get asked very specifically from a lot of candidates, young candidates is talk to me about what the company means to the community. Talk to me about where they give back. What are the things that are important for them? And that's why you're seeing programs, even in, in my corporate world, where we had opportunity to work with, you know, local non-for-profits, whether it's, you know, building Habitat for Humanity or farms, you know, working with underprivileged children and families an opportunity to give back. They're right. very, very important these days. And so I think there, again, the companies that offer those kind of opportunities, like for example, um, they were offering, you know, vacation days. Uh, I, I've heard of companies out there trading in vacation days if you're willing to go work at a soup kitchen or things like that, right? right. The areas that you can give back to your community. And they're a, they're a big hit. They're a success because people feel good about that. Not only, you know, are they able to, you know, to work and volunteer their time, but they love the fact that the company gave them the opportunity to do that. So yeah, I, I think that the value piece is, is important on both sides. You know, I I think that it's important for the companies to put that out there. I would I would say this to the to the individuals really want to be careful the kind of things that we're you know we're putting on social media. Just like I said, because you know if we don't see eye to eye, um, it's it, it can cause issues. I've seen young you know young professionals that look like they were going in the right direction by the things that they posted because maybe they took what was considered a controversial stance on things the company didn't feel that their values aligned and therefore, you know, they had to make a move. And so I would just caution, you know, people, I, 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 I'm on social media a lot. And one of the things I tell young professionals is, is to really keep the focus on the business and on, on your skill set. right? Uh, be careful about the things that you post, because although some people might agree, not everyone does. And if they view your values and, and here's the thing, they can be misunderstood because a picture can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people, depending on their perspective. And so that's why you really, got to be careful about the things that you put out there because the problem is, is that, you know, if they were to know you and they were to reach out and ask, you'd have a chance to explain yourself. Sometimes they can make up their decision based on a picture and you're never going to get the opportunity to explain yourself. And that's a problem. So yeah, the value game out there, um, you know, it, it's, it's a tough one these days because as much as this younger generation lives on social media, you know, I, I kind of have the belief that if it's not on social media, it didn't happen. You've really got to be careful about your overall message. And I, I can tell you this, companies, they have certain people nowadays that go through and those pictures and posts over time tell a story. And what I would say to the young professionals and, and even more experienced professionals is what do you want that story to say about you? Yeah, and I have definitely looked through people's social media posts before interviews a hundred percent and then i guess on the other hand too if i guess you have to decide if your values are convictions if your values are convictions don't hide it because that's going to come out so for me for example i I am very political like i a lot of my shows are just based on politics so i have an understanding that of the companies that would never work for me or work with me yeah and i'm okay with that Right. Sure. So I think if you're you're building this story about yourself, make sure it's true to yourself yes. and you're not just pandering. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that that's important. I, I, w- I would always encourage everyone to be who you are. Be true to yourself. You know, I, I use myself as, as an example, and this is one of the mistakes that I made that I felt like every interview I went to early on and why I think I didn't have success after I left the family business was because I was trying to be someone different to every single person right. I was because why I needed a job. I wanted to get hired. 
And so I, I wouldn't recommend that because I think that people can see through that. And so if anything, even if you don't maybe like my angle or like where I'm coming from, I always want to be true to myself because if nothing else, um, anyone who's worth working for would at least say, listen, I respect this person because they're honest and true to who they are and they're not changing. They're not sitting on the fence or trying to play both sides just to see if they can get a job. Because look, there's some people out there that you wouldn't want to work for either because eventually there's going to be a clash there because, you know, of how you see things. So definitely don't, I wouldn't say, yeah, don't change who you are to go to a company, be, be true to who you are. And I think that by putting those things out there, especially in an interview, it's okay to ask questions like that. Hey, look, I've got a really tough question. How do you feel about this? Because that's going to let you know if you feel really, like you said, your convictions, whether or not you want to work for a company like that. And I know that those are kind of scary things. And traditionally in interviews, we try to avoid all those kind of topics. In this day and age, I don't think it can be avoided. I think that there's so many people out there and people are willing to to make a stance on topics, you might as well get into it right away. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. I love that. So I have one last question for you. Why do you continue to serve agriculture itself? What are you most passionate about in that why? I am most passionate about the people in agriculture. Uh, I truly believe I, I I hate cliches, but the salt of the earth, uh, when I look at what these people do and what they bring, um, you know, been around uh, a lot of different directions and had the chance to meet a lot of people, a lot of organizations through my years in ag, because I, I basically I've only ever been in ag. But I, I, I connect with those people because I think there's a truth to the hard work behind what they do. And uh, one of the things that I learned early on is that, and I was taught, you know, by somebody who was uh, older than me and had been around a long time, you know, when I first set out and started going out and trying to buy grain, these aren't the kind of people that you BS, right? Because they can see right through it. And so the only thing that matters is truth and honesty and transparency. And you look people in the eye, you shake their hand firmly, and you do your best. And that's how you can sleep at night. And I've, I've tried to live by that. And I think that the people in ag, for the most part, look, there's, there's bad people in all walks of life. But in my experience, that these people truly are uh, as, as, as good as it gets. Um, again, not that you don't have disagreements. I mean, heck, you know, give, give any producer a bad, bad grade on their, on their truckload coming in and there's all kinds of disagreements, but you know, you can you, you typically treat with respect and get treated with respect. And so I, I think that's, that's my pat and my passion is helping people. Um, ag has been so good to me. It's given me a life, uh, that, you know, I, I, could have never dreamed of. Um, it's led me to where I am today, you know, now doing this business. And for me, it's all about giving back. Uh, I just want to try to help young ag professionals. Uh, I say this all the time that, you know, if you look at, you know, uh, from your starting point to any point and somewhere in the middle, there is success. I took so many laps around that pool that, uh, that maybe were unnecessary, but it taught me a lot. And I really want to share those experiences because I think there's a lot of value into that. And I can help young people, especially. It's one of the reasons I like going back and telling my story is because look, you know, uh, I didn't come from maybe one of the biggest ag schools and, and didn't have one of the, the best internships or the biggest companies out there, but there's a whole lot of opportunity out there. You just have to know how to look. And that's, that's my goal is to try to just share whatever I can to help them along their ag journey. And we, we need good people. And I want to continue to make, uh, the top ag students and candidates stay in our, our industry. I don't, I don't want to lose them because I, that's, you know, that's the connection I feel. So very, very passionate about the people and, uh, just a, a wantingness to give back. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with you more about the people. That's why I love this industry. It's it's different, right? It it's There's something very special about our industry and it makes the world really small. Um, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. One, one more note on that, mm-hmm. on, on, on how small this industry is, how big it is. Something I, I tell all the young people I work with, when all, inevitably you decide to leave an organization, this is so important. This, the ag world is smaller than you could ever imagine. Oh, yeah. You are going to come across that person at some point. Maybe they work for you. They you work for them. You know, maybe they are they they are the determining vote in you getting hired or not hired. Always handle yourself professionally because in this industry you will meet again. So make sure that you handle yourself accordingly. <laughs> Even when things don't work out, always be the professional one. Walk out, shake hands, uh, thank them for the opportunity, and move on because you'll be glad you did. Yeah, that's probably the best advice of the day because you, <laughs> yeah. you're going to see them again, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I, so where can people I say, find you? I say you? to my friends all the time that, uh, you know, when I go to these conferences that although the, the faces stay the same, the logos on the jackets and the shirts change, but all the faces stay the same. So it's important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
For sure. So where can people find you? They can find me at uh, omni-ag.com uh, to go to the website, but also I'm, I'm all over LinkedIn under Omni Ag Consulting and uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram as well under Omni Ag Consulting, but these are the conversations that I love to have. And so anyone that, uh, you know, whether you're a, a company looking for someone to talk about uh, recruiting and retention uh, or, or just looking for candidates, feel free to reach out. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to get back and have a discussion on that. And, and Chris, you really enjoy being here today. This has been a great discussion. I thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And actually, uh, plug your podcast too. You have an awesome podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I have a podcast called Boot Pit to Boardroom, and uh, we'll have to get you on there soon. Uh, where you know we just uh, we talk about opportunity in agriculture, and we bring on uh, other industry leaders like yourself, and we have discussions like this. We try to keep it real. We try to pull back the curtain a little bit and tell you all the things that you're not going to learn in ag class, or, or maybe even from your current career, and and just show you what's out there and uh, have discussions. So check us out on any of the. Uh, places where you can find the podcast on Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, and uh, give us a listen and give us a review. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thanks to all who are watching or listening. If you want to learn more, the links are provided in the show notes. And uh, you can also find the podcast in the Best of Podcast Library in on NorthAmericanAg.com. And don't forget to subscribe to North American Ag Spotlight on YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Listen Notes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked the episode, I would love it if you shared it. Have a great day. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach, and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m., to register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.